1: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Happy New
2: Year and welcome to the first media podcast of 2020. I'm Ollie Mann. Today's show is our annual predictions special, a glimpse into what 2020 has in store for the media. We invite some of our favorite industry insiders to reveal their trends for the year ahead in TV, radio, print and online. 2019 was a big one, with the launch of mega streaming services Disney+, and Apple TV, and of course BritBox, the rise of TikTok... Uh, The Telegraph sale, not to mention another culture secretary. Some of our favourite contributors are going to share with you their trends for the year ahead, including journalists Alex Hudson, audio bosses Matt Deegan and Paul Robinson, and media analyst Karen Robinson. Stay tuned to find out whether 2020 will be the year Facebook dies, who will win the battle to survive the streaming wars, and if the BBC can survive long enough to win over Generation Z. But let's start with a reckoning. How many of the predictions made by our expert contributors this time last year actually came true and how many were wildly off the mark. Regular guests Rebecca Gilley, Faraz Osman and Jake Cantor sit in judgment of themselves in just a moment. Uh, But let's start with the managing director of one of the UK's biggest content companies. After a year spent beefing up their podcast production, Indie Something Else is now responsible for David Tennant's big interview podcast and the companion cast for the drama series The Crown. Steve Ackerman
3: is the MD. Hi there, this is Steve Ackerman, the Managing Director of Something Else. Looking first of all at my predictions from last year to see how I did. The first thing I said was there'd be a re-invention in adland, and that some really famous agency names would be retired by some of the big holding companies and we certainly saw that happen. The second thing I predicted was that short form storytelling on social would rise, particularly with Instagram stories and we've definitely seen great use from Instagram stories. I also said when I was talking about social that we'd see great progress from TikTok And the demise of Snapchat. And I'm feeling pretty good because I think I got both of those right as well. And then the third thing I predicted, which I think was maybe a bit of an easy one, but I did predict that we'd see continued aggressive growth in the podcasting space. I did also say that we'd see a scripted podcast hit come out of the UK. I think we did see that because if you heard Passenger List, that's UK produced, even though it was backed by US money from Radiotopia. So looking ahead to 2020. What do I think is going to be occurring? I'm going to start with podcasting because I just think this is the big story for 2020. We've seen such massive growth going on in 2019. And I think that's going to carry on. But I think what we're going to start to see even more of in 2020 is acquisitions of podcasting companies, both in the US and the UK. I also think we're going to see some really large content companies, big TV players, potentially a few more of the movie studios start to look to get into the podcast space as that move and drive towards developing IP really steps up a pace. My second prediction, and it doesn't give me any pleasure to predict this, is that I think the BBC is going to have a very tough time in 2020 on two fronts. First of all, a government that seems to be slightly hostile towards them, and that's going to have an implication for the BBC from a financial perspective, particularly as we wait to see how things play out over the approach to the non-payment of license fees and whether the government is going to stop prosecuting people for that. That could really have a big knock-on effect for the BBC in terms of their finances. And my third prediction is really over the on-demand TV space, we're obviously going to see some new players enter the space as people like HBO and Disney start to launch their offerings in the UK. And one would think that at some point there has to start to be some casualties in this space. And my prediction is that BritBox is going to be the player that's really going to find things tough going as the big American players come into the space with bigger pockets, bigger ability to market their product. And ultimately, I think it's BritBox that might suffer and might eventually fall by the wayside. Those are my predictions for 2020. Steve Ackerman. Okay, time for Jake
2: Cantor, who, after taking up a role at Deadline as international editor, spent 2019 reporting on some of the biggest media stories of the year. Nowadays, he's the chair of the Broadcasting Press Guild as well. But let's find out if his predictions from
4: last year came true. Happy New Year, media podcast listeners. Jake Cantor here. So I predicted three things last year. With mixed success, the first of which was that we would see the full scale of Apple's TV vision. I got this one right. Uh, Apple TV Plus launched in November 2019 with content like The Morning Show. while well, we saw Jay Hunt really getting to work in Europe, um, signing up Sharon Horgan on an exclusive deal and commissioning a number of shows as well. I also predicted that uh, the BBC would close a TV channel. Uh, Obviously, I got this one very badly wrong. uh, But I still think the BBC is shying away from making some big cuts and um, the government could really attack it this year uh, through decriminalising non-payment of the licence fee. BBC reckons that this alone would give it £200 million less to spend on shows. Um, The third thing I said was that uh, the government would have a shot at regulating the internet. Uh, Again, I got this one right, and uh, we could see the creation of a tech regulator this year um, with the aim of policing harmful content online and improving data handling. Um, Culture Secretary Nikki Morgan has got a really big job on her hands with that. Looking ahead to 2020, I think we might start to see some sort of consolidation among the streaming services. Even for a lowly media journalist like me who gets paid to watch telly, there is just too much to watch. And I think that sooner or later that will begin to bite uh, for some of these companies. The big persistent rumour, of course, is that Apple will buy Netflix. Now, I'm not saying that deal will happen, but I think we'll see consolidation of that ilk uh, this year. Sticking with the streamers for my second prediction – Uh, I think that more big British talent will be snapped up by these online video companies uh, this year. We've seen Phoebe Waller-Bridge go golden handcuffs with Amazon. Peter Morgan did a deal with Netflix and uh, Sharon Horgan went to Apple, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, There will be more, I reckon. And finally, 2020 is do or die for Channel 4's content chief, Ian Katz. Uh, I think Uh, the jury is still out on whether the former Newsnight man is doing a good job at Channel 4 after two years in the hot seat. Uh, I think he now needs to show uh, this year that he can find a new generation of noisy hits and keep Channel 4's viewing share healthy. Uh, If not, uh, the most talked about man in TV, uh, which was the moniker I gave him in a deadline piece last year, well, he could be out of a job and uh, that will mean he is no longer the most talked about man in British TV.
2: Jake Cantor. Now it's the turn of Rebecca Messina, formerly Rebecca Gilly, longtime media podcast contributor, who left the capital this year to take up a digital editor post at Immediate Media in Bristol. Leaving the big smoke hasn't exempted her from the reckoning, though. Will her predictions from last year be proved right?
1: Last year on your prediction show, I predicted that 2019 would mark the return of appointment TV... And I think I was. I think there's justification for saying that I, I think I was right. A few of the biggest shows of last year, you know, Fleabag, uh, Chernobyl, Game of Thrones, the second series of Killing Eve, um, I think they all prove that week by week, sit-down TV is um, far from dead. Anyway, on to 2020. Um, I think my top prediction for 2020 uh, is a bit of a sad one, is that I think we'll see the closure of another major women's print magazine, um, we already saw Glamour and Marie Claire closing down their print output this year. Um, and if I had to take a guess, I would say that Grazia might be in the danger zone uh, in August. Their circulation dipped below 100,000 a month for the first time. And so I think it's certainly if not that, then another familiar name from the supermarket shelves will be leaving us. Secondly, I think this is the year that we're going to see the BBC forced to take major action to reassert its reputation for neutrality. Um, We've seen some very vitriolic comments thrown at the BBC this year, uh, particularly on social media. You know, comments aimed at journalists, particularly Laura Kunzberg. The kind of um, attacks she came under in the general election, I think, were... You know, putting aside whether the rights or wrongs of um, criticizing public figures in this kind of vitriolic language, I think uh, it's definitely a sign that tempers have reached boiling point. And I'm not sure that the BBC can row back from this position without making some significant changes or concessions. In fact, to people on both sides of the political spectrum, what form that will take, whether that's increased transparency or a different form of demonstrating transparency or editorial changes, but I think that's something that we're definitely going to see play out this year. And number three, I think this is the year we're going to find streaming service fatigue. Just in November alone, we saw the launch of Apple TV Plus and BritBox as Netflix slash Amazon Prime rivals. Uh, 31st of March this year will be the UK launch of Disney Plus streaming service. Um, And I think this is going to be the point where the average person just throws up their hands and says, I can't take this anymore. Um, You know, if you're going to carry on paying, you know, each one is cheap. They're five, six, seven pounds a month. Fine. But when you add up four or five of them, you've basically got the same that you would pay for a Sky subscription. You know, the whole point of the streaming model was that it was supposed to break the existing status quo and free people up to just enjoy the kind of media they wanted without having to pay for loads of stuff that they didn't want on top of it. And I think when you're paying for more than two streaming services... You're starting to edge up towards that line where finally people are going to say, Hey, wait a minute, we've been we've basically been led into doing the same thing that we were trying to escape in the first place, which is paying through the nose for tons of content, the majority of which we don't actually want.
2: Rebecca Messina. After establishing production company Goldwaller in twenty eighteen, Faraz Osman spent last year making content for the BBC to win over audiences other companies can't. Let's see if he's pleased with how his predictions from last year panned out.
5: I had a terrible run of predictions for last year, so I've decided to avoid Ollie holding me to account with an Andrew Neil style grilling and will attempt to create my own narrative about what I really meant. Firstly, I said that Apple will buy a major studio like Sony in an effort to build a back catalogue for its streaming video service, and instead they launched a grand total of eight titles. However, they recently signed an exclusive deal with Richard Pelper, the celebrated CBO chief. That's not good news for CBO's new owners, AT&T, but it is a shrewd, if somewhat predictable, move by Apple, and will mean their first major breakout show is sure to follow. I also said that Apple will bundle all their services together, music, news, magazines and TV. And while those services launched independently, Apple decided against bringing them under one banner. I reckon that's still going to happen, and it's probably being held up by record labels being cold on the idea a fact that's backed up by Apple basically giving Apple TV Plus away with a free year subscription to anyone that buys a new Apple device. My other prediction is that Tony Hall was going to step down as Director-General of the BBC after a relatively calm and decent period for them. That definitely didn't happen, and there's little sign that it's going to. There's been a lot of movement within the senior commissioning team at the BBC, and while this time last year things looked pretty OK for them, post this election, the things aren't nearly as rosy at New Broadcasting House. I did also predict that a major podcasting platform was going to launch and Spotify put their rather massive green flag in the sand as their moves in the podcasting space sent earthquakes through the burgeoning industry. I'm definitely going to chalk that one up as a win for my crystal ball. So my predictions for 2020 and beyond. Cinema is going to have a really, really rough time as Disney starts to shun theatres and move its focus onto its own platforms. Disney has dominated cinema, taking in over $10 billion last year alone with Marvel, Star Wars, Toy Story and live remakes of their old animated films. CEO Bob Iger is leaving the company with a launch of Disney Plus and it's probably the biggest mic dropper that we'll ever see in the entertainment industry. Video games are going to be everything in popular culture next year. The launch of new consoles from Xbox and PlayStation will be inescapable as they dominate advertising and the retail space. An original gaming IP will seep into every entertainment corner, including big-budget films and TV shows, as the dominance of comic book heroes are finally taken out by their video game counterparts. And finally, I predict that we're going to start seeing the ownership of social media platforms changing hands. While the rise of TikTok has been phenomenal, its association as a wholly owned Chinese company is putting it under crippling regulatory pressures. Selling a stake to someone outside of those borders might be a quick fix to those issues. And depending on what happens with the 2020 US elections, I think someone is going to make a play for Twitter. Founder and current CEO Jack Dorsey seems to be less attached to the platform day by day. And while it doesn't have the user base of its rivals, it still has a voice that could be seen as very, very valuable to the right investor. Speaking about socials, if you want to see what we get up to this year, you can follow us on Twitter, Insta and LinkedIn at gold underscore Waller.
2: Happy New Year, all. Faraz Osman. And I'll be back with more foresight into what the next 12 months might hold for the media industry after this.
6: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt.
6: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health
2: Welcome back to the Media Podcast. Our prediction special is not over yet, still to come. Industry insiders Matt Deegan, Karen Robinson, and Tara Conlan reveal what they expect from the next 12 months in TV, radio, print, and online. But let's start with media consultant and radio veteran Paul Robinson. What does he think the world has in store for us in 2020?
7: Hello, this is Paul Robinson from Creative Media Partners with some forecasts for the Media Podcast for 2020. So, first of all, to streaming and S and 2019 has been a busy year, but it'll be even more competitive in 2020 with Amazon Prime Video, Netflix, and Hulu competing with Disney, which has already launched, and Apple TV, and more services to come, including one from Discovery. And in the UK, we also have Now TV. So, if you look at the research, it suggests that 44% of connected customers who pay for an online streaming service have at least two subscriptions. 18% pay for three and 7% pay for more, uh, four or more. And that suggests it's going to be very, very difficult for new entrants to come into the market unless they've got a very compelling content offer and original and exclusive content. So will all of these players survive? Will new entrants successfully come in? And what will happen to the existing players? So forecast number one is that Netflix, the market leader with 160 million subscribers, will be up for sale in 2020. They've got a balance sheet which has got a horrible hole in it, but the hole is supported because they've continued to add new subscribers and they've increased their average revenue per user, their ARPU, by increasing their prices slowly. But Surely, but will that continue? I think they will be up for sale, and who'll be the buyers? I can only see two one would be Amazon, and the second would be Apple. So that's the first forecast that Netflix is up for sale in 2020. Second, still with streaming, Britbox, the ITV BBC joint venture, which is also an SVOD service. In the US, I can see this being highly successful. It's a 100 million TV household market. There's a lot of anglophiles in the US and BritBox will find its place as a niche service in the US. In the UK, a different story with iPlayer being very strong with the extended window now on iPlayer of 12 months. And most of the shows on BritBox having a window on a free TV TV channel or a pay TV channel. And then on another streaming service to then pay for BritBox seems very unlikely. So I think BritBox is going to struggle. And by the end of 2020, we're either going to see BritBox close or be radically re-engineered in its current form. And then thirdly to radio, an interesting development has been podcasting and podcast radio. Podcast radio launches in 2020 as a London-wide DAB service. If you look at the BBC data that's recently come out, they've claimed three million weekly users now to BBC Sounds, up from 1.3 million in June, but it has been very heavily promoted on BBC Radio and BBC TV, 630 million plays. If you take Brexit cast out of it, most of the podcasts getting the big numbers are new original ideas, different people doing different things that are not on BBC radio. So podcasting is not the same as radio, either in terms of the talent, the subject matter or the intimacy, the way in which it's actually consumed. So will podcast radio work? I believe it will because at the end of the day, it's about getting exposure and getting podcasts onto a London-wide DAB will give them great exposure and will result in people trying those podcasts. And just to declare one bit of interest, I'm the chairman of East London Radio and we're going to be very much involved with podcast radio in 2020 with a couple of uh, major streams on there because we believe that podcasting as a broadcast medium will be very successful in
8: 2020. I'm Alex Hudson, and I'm deputy editor of metro.co.uk. 2020 was going to have a conscious computer, according to futurologist Ian Pearson. like A Nobel Prize winner reckoned a live-in ape would be doing all the cleaning, and Elon Musk reckoned there'd be serious plans to go to Mars already. Given that none of those are true, predicting the media landscape is tricky, but I'm going to have a go. First one. Big U.S. players are going to look to British and European shores. So over recent years, the U.K. has seen so many exports to the U.S., with The Guardian, The Mail Online having huge successes. There's rumours that The Sun is upping their staffing there. And what 2020 will be the year of is it happening the other way around. So the New York Times are looking for 10 million subscribers and is focusing on the U.K. as a key market. The New Yorker too, I think, so, and if I had to guess, I reckon one of the big US news magazines, Time, Newsweek, The Atlantic, US Weekly, or another one, is gonna make a big play in the British and European markets. Just a hunch. The second one is that 5G is gonna have a huge impact. This is gonna be the year when 5G goes mainstream and the media has to react to that. It could finally make video viable for a news publisher. It should make augmented reality into a meaningful way to create content. And it opens up so many possibilities. We don't know what will happen with the bandwidth, and we've only seen speeds over 250 megabytes a second because there are so few people using the network. But this is the first tech that really comes before the media supply for it. So what happens when you could live stream anything in true VR? What happens when 4K video can be streamed effortlessly without Wi-Fi? The fact that content providers aren't ahead of this, as they were with 2G, 3G, 4G, is exciting but terrifying. Like We don't have anything more than HD video to offer at the minute, so what comes next? And that's our job to find it out. The third one is something has got to give with the streaming wars. Like how many streaming services are too many? You've got Netflix, you've got £100 a year for Amazon Prime, you've got £6 a month for Disney Plus, then you've got HBO Max, Britbox, Peapock, Apple TV, Hulu, Quibi, and there could be more here that either ones I've forgotten or that haven't even been announced yet. And that all adds up. So it could be £6 a service, but if there's 10 to choose from, that's a lot of money a month. And which ones will consumers pick? How does Netflix, with its huge head start, retain its customer base? I think Netflix will be fine, though growth will not be maintained. Disney also has huge potential here, shown by the reported 25 million subscribers in the seven weeks after launch. That's completely ridiculous. But on the other side of things, the ones to watch is Apple TV when the free trials start to end, and BritBox. Like £6 a month to watch shows you can already watch on all four. ITV Hub or iPlayer strikes me as strange, but... We'll see. Like, it's an overseas play, but I think it harms British influence rather than reinforces it. Fleabag wouldn't have travelled as far and wide if it had been stuck within BritBox rather than being allowed out to different streaming platforms. Number four is that TikTok starts morphing. TikTok is this beautiful social platform that has people creating wonderful inventive content, and its best thing is that so much of the content is there just because people wanted to create it rather than people thought they could make money from it. With the Instagram backlash the influencer we're already in the middle of, we're about to see traditional media turn to TikTok. So if Radio 1's existing recruitment driver lies on YouTube, its next one will be on this platform. It's ridiculous and diverse and funny and where actual real Gen Z people live. 2020 will be the year of millennials coming along and utterly ruining it, in parallel to the most forward-thinking of advertisers coming along and setting out the model of how brands are going to spend big money there. But if influencer marketing is dead and that's kind of what TikTok relies on, like just the personalities, then what is the industry going to come up with next? And there are so many more. The podcast wars will be similar to the streaming battle. The Beeb will finally hire ahead of young audiences. Facebook is going to have a day that will end up being referred to as the day Facebook died. The news voices of the next generation will finally start coming through. Now Paxman, Humphreys and the others are off our airwaves. And the first 8K broadcast will happen. And the tech behind it will be the biggest story of the consumer electronics show as the TVs finally become almost affordable.
6: My name's Karen Robinson, and I'm a planning director at Edelman, and the host of two podcasts, Primarily 2020, about the US Democratic primary, and the newly launched Until One Day, a kids fiction podcast. I have three predictions to set out for you in terms of what the media landscape might look like in 2020. The first of these is that I would be looking at some threats to the BBC licence from both the left and the right political spectrum. Boris Johnson has already hinted that he might decriminalise licence non-payment for the BBC. Certainly the left as well, Jeremy Corbyn's uh, Labour, have had a lot of critical commentary about the BBC and have sort of directed leftist activists against the enterprise. Both sides are seeing it as uh, partisan and biased in one direction or the other. Um, The long-term implications of that are that it might become hard to defend, or at least the BBC might have a job to do to defend its independence and its license. Whether or not you think the BBC has already been bending over backwards to try and curry favour with politicians, it seems clear that it hasn't worked. And so I would look for some political challenges to the BBC enterprise. But I kind of also would expect if that happened that we might see a a kind of secondary prediction, which is a, a backlash to that, because the BBC is a beloved British institution. So I would be surprised if we didn't then see campaigners up in arms in defense of the BBC. The other major prediction I would have, and, and unfortunately, it's not one that I'm thrilled about, is I think we can pretty safely assume that somehow or other, Facebook is going to badly screw up the U- the US presidential election in uh, November of 2020. We've, we've almost got the worst of all possible worlds. In 2016, of course, Facebook had a big impact on that election in ways that we didn't entirely see at the time. Um, both in terms of paid spend, um, but also a lot of viral content was fake news, misinformation. Um, They haven't really fixed that problem. They've added some transparency features since then, but they haven't really nailed the problem of fake news. And in fact, in one important way, they've made it much worse because... Facebook has, of course, changed their policy since the 2016 election and now explicitly permits false information in political advertising. Now, in a way, we're kind of in a worst case scenario here because Facebook has not only made that policy change, but made it long enough in advance that I would expect now you'll see both sides of the political aisle um, and frankly, independent groups as well, exploiting that fact um, and putting out a lot of false information directly in paid advertisement that will reach anywhere from millions of people to highly targeted advertising. Now Facebook employees have been pushing back on this and they've been trying to get Zuckerberg to rethink that position and one one change that they're trying to push for is to forbid micro-targeting below a certain point of political advertising so that you wouldn't be able to target say a couple hundred people with false ads in, in a particular city in Wisconsin. But nevertheless, whether it's small or big, I think we'll see a lot of explicitly false political information in ads. My suggestion would be you might want to think about just turning off the Facebook platform altogether, or you're going to get a lot of dodgy information from your auntie in Minnesota. Sorry, Minnesota aunties. And the third and final prediction I have for you is in a general sense, I would expect to see an accelerated move towards new media enterprises that offer. Hyper servicing to niche interests and in fan communities on a paid subscription basis. Now, this is a trend that we've been seeing anyway, with lots of things like tiny letter newsletters. But I I would expect to see that commercialized a bit more and scaled up. One example in the UK of the type of thing that I mean is um, the launch of The Athletic last year. So I think we'll start seeing more and more of that type of business model, um, splitting not just across sports, but across other enterprises like fashion or dance or art. And those are my predictions for 2020. It's going to be quite a year, no matter how you look at it. Stay tuned. (laughs)
9: My name is Matt Deegan. I'm the creative director of Folder Media and Fun Kids and I'm also one of the co-organisers of the British Podcast Awards. So predictions for 2020. Well, I've got three. Uh, My first one is all about exclusives exclusives in the podcast world. Now, historically, one of the great things about podcasts has been that you can get any show anywhere. Uh, If you, whatever device you use or whatever software you use, uh, you could subscribe to a podcast uh, and listen to it that way. But I think that's all changing. We saw quite a bit of it in 2019 with BBC Sounds having some windowing where they started to uh, put podcasts up first. And also we saw Spotify take a few podcasts private, sort of, uh, and to um, uh, put them behind a paywall. But I think we're going to see much more of that in 2020. Uh, it's in everyone's interest, well, except consumers, uh, that they can that all these devices and, and manufacturers and service providers can grow their audiences. And the best way to do that uh, is to have exclusive content. Uh, we've seen it in the world of Netflix and Amazon, uh, and I think it's coming to audio now. Uh, as well as BBC Sounds and Spotify, uh, I think this year we'll see Apple Podcasts have some exclusive content that's only available in their device uh, also i think we'll see the growth uh, of other subscription audio services so you know, audible's been in the uk for a long time uh, but we'll see the growth of people like luminary uh, and also similar uh, companies doing more language specific stuff uh, across europe a uh, place where you have to pay to get premium audio Again, my second prediction is about radio consolidation. This is commercial radio consolidation. We saw a huge amount of that in 2019, particularly uh, with Bauer's uh, acquisition of uh, the wireless group, uh, local stations, uh, UKRD, uh, Lynx FM and Celador. They've had a lot of trouble trying to get that through the CMA, though I expect that to be resolved pretty quickly this year. Uh, That will see them likely roll out uh, their networks uh, across more of the country. Both on these stations, but perhaps on some of their existing stations too. Uh, they've really been pushing uh, the hits, uh, hits radio, um, and uh, greatest hits radio. Uh, we also know that there's obviously brands in Kiss and Magic, which could be uh, rolled out in other places too. So I think we'll see strong rollout of national brands uh, for Bauer, uh, and that doesn't leave many stations kind of unaligned um, in the UK. So I would expect. Uh, there's some of the, the, the bigger ones that are left, things like the KM FM group and things like Q Radio in Northern Ireland are more likely to fall into these big networks. I think existing as a, a local radio station is going to be more difficult and I think we'll probably see the end of very local commercial radio. And finally, uh, we had a preview of this uh, in December, but the attacks on the BBC are only going to increase. Uh, the Conservatives, with a stronger majority, uh, suddenly have the ability to be more difficult to the corporation. Uh, the Conservatives have always been pretty negative towards the BBC, but they've always been, they've always known that they can't kind of shut it down or sell it off because it's, it's too popular. The best way to eventually finish off the BBC is for it to crumble from the inside uh, to make it self-harm uh, and to have less uh, consumers, listeners, viewers. Now, they're going to do this in a couple of ways or the option to do this in a couple of ways. Uh, one is there's a bit of a licence fee review um, particularly around money. It's not a full um, charter renewal which is still quite a few years away but there's a bit of wiggle room to cause some Trouble. There's also the over 75s licence fees, which the the Tories have always pushed that the BBC should pay for. That's you know that's uh, hundreds of millions of pounds uh, of money the BBC would have to save to pay for that. <laughs> I think there'll also be attacks on editorial, uh, particularly around social media, uh, where we're all in our own bubbles. And that's the same for for people in the political sector, too. Uh, they see so much of, of just their own world that anything from, from the outside looks like bias. So um, I can't see, see that stopping. The one glimmer of hope for the BBC is that rise in uh, social media and kind of fake news, for want of a better word, And at the same time, a rise in US media control, Netflix, Amazon, but, you know, Comcast ownership of Sky, um, Disney's ownership of, of News Corp products may make the government consider that, better the devil you know, with the BBC, at least there's something that they can control and ensure there's more UK content. So there are my top three predictions.
10: Hi, I'm Tara Conlan, a freelance writer for The Guardian, Broadcast Magazine, and the RTS Magazine Television. This year, I'm wondering if it's the beginning of the era of streamer consolidation. With so many new options available for consumers, how much will they stick with Netflix and Amazon There's Hulu, Disney, Apple, NBC, Universal, Quibi, and also ad-funded VODs such as Pluto. All these new entrants are coming in, but viewers only have a finite amount of time and money. And what is their crunch point? And with that in mind, could someone buy Netflix? With over $12 billion of debt and new rivals, there's been talk it could be bought by someone like Apple. And as the streaming market matures, we'll probably hear more in 2020 about new short form social media, TikTok, and how that can be harnessed and monetised, plus platforms that encompass on screen interactivity with live, such as Twitch and Mixer. How all these newcomers are regulated compared with traditional TV is another thing that I think will keep commentators and politicians busy this year. But I think 2020 will also be about studios and super writers. We've been through an era when telly was selling off or downscaling studios. And now studios are back. There's Sky Studios expanding into Elstree over the next couple of years. And Netflix renting most of Shepperton? I think this will lead to the further rise of the star superwriters in comedy and drama, which is quite right in my book, that they're being properly rewarded now. There's been big names previously, such as Andrew Davis, um, but now there's even more. You just have to look at Peter Morgan's deal with Netflix. And as Netflix knows, to expand globally, you've got to have compelling content, or, as Greg Dyke put it, it's the program's stupid. Though with Euro 2020 coming up this year and ITV's new Julian Fellows drama Belgravia, which should please the Downton fans, plus the brilliantly bonkers The Masked Singer, we may, I think, hear more about traditional TV's shows this year, particularly perhaps Peter Crouch's Euro 2020 entertainment show, which could be sort of a new last leg. And everyone will be asking James Corden and Ruth Jones and the cast of Gavin and Stacey at every event they go to this year, what will happen to Nessa and Smithy and when the next instalment of Gavin and Stacey will be. But also this year, I think we'll start to see the whites of the eyes of the new government's pre-election talk about the future of the BBC. We can probably expect to hear a lot about the BBC's funding settlement, which ends in March 2022. But I think the lobbying will start in earnest this year with the corporation laying out its stall and others doing their best to knock it down. But it's also worth remembering that 2022 is the same year as the BBC centenary. Is the government really going to cut the BBC in that year when it's celebrating 100 years? It's not really a good look. More interestingly, um, after his nerve-wracking bungee jump off a dam in a Rover Metro in the forthcoming new series of Top Gear, I think there'll be even greater interest in presenter Freddie Flintoff He can talk about issues such as mental health and tolerance as readily as he can perform daredevil stunts. There seems to be nothing he can't do. One thing's for certain, though, in 2020, and that's that viewers will have more choice than ever before.
2: That is all for this week. My thanks to all my guests for their excellent speculations. We'll find out this time next year if any of them actually came true. Uh, tell us what you think of the predictions you've just heard or make your own suggestions for 2020 by tweeting us. We are at the Media Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you've made a resolution to give something back, why not take out a voluntary subscription to the show? Just make us a donation to keep this podcast in production by visiting TheMediaPodcast.com slash donate and choose an amount that suits you you can also catch up with previous episodes and get new ones as soon as they're released by subscribing for free at that website themediapodcast.com i've been ollie Mann, the producer rebecca grisdale sherry the media podcast is a ppm production we will be back as ever with a new episode in two weeks time until then
0: bye-bye